Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Great, thanks Tim. It's really lovely to be here. And for those who weren't here last week, you'll be pleased to know that we do have Phil and Sharon back in the house. And uh, we know there's a lot of to and fro in. And uh, please continue to keep uh, Phil in your prayers and uh, uh, as he just continues to um, get stronger and healthier in Jesus' name. There's lots of needs across the life of the church. I was visiting somebody this week in hospital very poorly. And we just need to continue to pray across all of our locations. If you get a prayer need that comes out, please stop, drop, pray. Uh, It means an awful lot to those families. And I always think to myself that I want to pray like they're my family, because they are. Uh, But if it's like, you know, if it's your husband or your wife, how would you pray? So... Just let it be something that we, that we continue to do. Well, we're in our final week of uh, the book of James. Can you believe uh, summer? I mean, have we had a summer here? I don't know. I'll just move on quickly. Uh, but next, uh, well, the week after next, I believe the kids are back at school. And so we've got something lined up for, for next Sunday for the kids, which will be awesome. But We've been in a summer series in the book of James. And if it's your first time here today, don't worry thinking I'll switch off because I've missed the last four. You'll get something from today if you just lean in. I would encourage you once again to read this book. It's a really practical book. It's like the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's packed with uh, power punches that really just dig deep in your heart and Today, what I want to look at, if you're taking notes, particularly, I'm wanting to look into, drive into chapters three and four. So I've got a a big quest. I've got far too many notes for the 35 minutes that I've got with you. But particularly, James addresses so many practical things. He does that because there's a theme that runs through the book of James, and it's found in James and chapter 2 and verse 17. It reads, faith without works is dead. I don't want to labor this point too much, but it's no good just to say, I have faith, and then you do not work it out. I have faith, and you live like an absolute reprobate. I have faith, and I'm as bad as the the man in the street. I want to say, that is not the kind of faith that James is addressing. He's, he's, He's saying, faith with works. We have to be people who work this out. Can I be really bold? We should look different. We should act different, not strange, not like we're strange all the time and a bunch of weirdos, but but we are strangers. People should say of us, there's something strange about these people. Strangely good, strangely beautiful, strangely unique. Can I get an amen? This is what James is addressing. I think, Tim, he is fed up of the church and it hadn't been going that long. I think he's seeing all this stuff and thinking, I've just got to say something to the church. And can I say, 21 centuries later, we're still here. We need to be different, guys. Live differently. And that's what he's addressing. So particularly in James 3 and 4, this is what he begins to work through. And I want to headline this. This is my words. Faith, when expressed... Faith, when lived out, it doesn't explode. Faith, 
when expressed, faith, when lived out, faith, when walked out, doesn't explode. Let me give you a bit of context to this. This is going to dig very, very deep in all of our hearts. Are you ready? Three people are ready. Tap the neighbor next to you and say, are you ready? I'm ready. You see, James, in chapter 3 and 4, you've got to read it for yourself. We're not going to have time to read all the way through it. We're going to look at certain verses. But he says this, the work of faith brings control to our tongues, our hearts, and our minds. The work of faith, when it's lived out, it's expressed, it brings a control to our tongues, to our hearts, and to our minds. And why does James address this? Because it's something that he knew the church needed at that time, and we need. We need this every day, don't we? Anybody need any control over your tongue? Anybody need any control over your heart? Anybody need any control over your, over your minds? Some of you are a bunch of fibbers, honestly. There's, thanks, Des, for raising your hand. My hand's up. Anybody need any control in those areas? We all do. We all do. Has your heart ever been wayward and deceitful? Has your mind been on thoughts and fantasies and delusions? Has your mouth ever run away with you or been out of control? You see, even the calmest measured of people will recount a time when you just exploded. You just went crazy. You just went crazy. Now, let me just let you into something here. I, 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 I am absolutely convinced. Please forgive me if you, you're, you're a descendant of a Greek family or an Italian family or a Jewish family. There's got to be something of that in me. I'll tell you why. Because the stereotype, anybody ever watch My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yeah. I absolutely love that film. I love it. In fact, they brought a third one out. We want to go to the cinema, don't we, again, and watch it. But they're loud. I know it's stereotypical. They're loud. I'm sure there's some Greek in me. I'm sure there's some Italian in me or some. Because I just get louder and louder and louder and louder. The more riled I get, the louder I get. Do you need any assurances of this? Okay. <laughs> Caroline, on the other hand, gets quieter and quieter and quieter. It's deathly silence. It's silence by death. I'm the raging tornado. She's the simmering cauldron. The point that I'm wanting to make is this. Don't just think it's explosion is by loud. Explosion can be something that's simmering. Anybody resonate with me? So some of the explosions when you overeat, you may say, what? I'm not talking about that side. I'm talking about just, just to be sure. You can explode without, with just emotion and just, you know, you overeat. You overindulge. You get red in the face with anger. You shout at the top of your voice. Some people are really, really, I'm just being honest, you slam doors, you punch walls. 
Some other people go even deeper because they're substances that they run to when they're out of control. I'm not judging anybody. I've just told you. I I have to work through some of this stuff and I'll talk through some of my journey a little without being over vulnerable. But these are some of the things that we have just got to understand and James addresses this because faith when lived out, when expressed, doesn't explode. Let me say it this way. Faith when lived out and expressed, it doesn't explode, but it's controlled. Controlled. Now, let me give you an example of this. Thank God that we threw, I know COVID is still around. I'm thankful that we don't talk about it endlessly. But I'm just using this example because it used to be every day there was a scientific briefing, wasn't there, on the BBC News, was it? And there was these two chief scientists that would come along and tell us what was happening. And, uh, you know, I think some of that was helpful and possibly some of it was unhelpful. But thank God that we, we, we've, we're moving through that. But I, I, need, I need to uh, encourage my uh, chief of science to come and join me. Uh, his, his name happens to be, the true title is... Not Tim, it's Timothy Bailey, okay? So I wonder if you'd welcome Timothy Bailey to the stage, please. And um, come on, welcome him to the stage. And um, you'd be glad to know that when Eleanor ordered these, uh, I had a big man size and we got a little kid size for Tim. But uh, So, this is the example. So, Tim and I are, we don't need goggles because we've got glasses, even though it could seem a little bit dangerous, but we're okay. But I want to show you seriously an example of how this will work out. We have, we have a pack of uh, mints, Mentos, mints, okay? And um, we have some uh, Diet Coke. Before I go there, and I'll ask my chief scientist in a moment to, to help me. Thank you. I really appreciate your help, uh, Mr. Scientist. We look like scientists, don't we? <laughs> my goodness. Sorry if you're a scientist. <laughs> don't eat it, please. Okay, don't eat, don't, 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 not yet. Okay. So we have two bottles of, of Diet Coke, and we're going to do a bit of a schoolboy experiment. I, just sorry, just as a side, you, you'd, be, you'd be bad as this. Yeah, come and follow me. We, it, it, I'm sure when we were at school, anybody ever used to remember the Bunsen burners on the desk when teacher wasn't looking? Somebody had got a lighter because they were always having a fag around the side of the bike sheds. When they weren't looking, and you'd singe your eyebrows. Anybody remember that? The kids are looking like, what? Weren't they great days? Great days for having fun. Blowing things up and loved it. But our experiment is this. We've got some Diet Coke. And in serious, all seriousness now, I'm trying to help you to understand. Because this is what James talks about. This is the dark grime of life. If you don't already know it, life is grimy. I find life grimier. I find it tough at times. Anybody? I I wish I lived in a bubble, but I don't. I wish I lived in a bubble where there were no 
tears. I wish I lived in a bubble where there were no sickness. I wish I lived in a bubble where there was no financial difficulties, but I don't. So life is tough and difficult. And how do we get through this life? Because we have to engage in this life or otherwise we become a bunch of nuns and, and, and monks. I'm not knocking them because I meet with some uh, monks to pray, believe it or not. We'll leave that for another day. And they're, they're, they're praying. They're praying for the world. But most of us have to live in the world, don't we? I mean, help me. We have to live in this world. It's dark and grimy. And how does this faith work out? Well, the first thing I want to say is this. We need to open the, the thank you that nobody, Isaac hasn't, or Ben Bailey hasn't done a bit of a shake-up job here, because that could have happened, okay? We'll do one at a time, and we'll take that one out just for a minute. But basically, there's, life is like a, a pack of Mentos, and can I have the one with the cling film on? There's one with a cling film on somewhere. Yeah, great. Thank you. You're amazing. Okay. <laughs> this, this mento has been covered with cling film. It's just an example of what happens to a believer because this is a, a, an expression of our life. And our life is covered. It's covered by the blood of Jesus. Right. We invite the power of the Spirit in our life day by day. Yes? Yeah, yeah. Am I speaking to anybody who understands? The power of the Holy Spirit day by day. A believer that wants to be in the Bible, not to gain knowledge, but because we need the covering of God. We're in prayer. We're pleading the, the blood over our lives because we know that we need His covering. We need His faith over our lives. Yes? Yeah. So that's the cling film version. But anybody outside of that... Basically, they have no covering. They have to still live in the same world. So have you got this? So we'll work, work from this so they can see it. So I wonder if you would now drop a mint that isn't covered into the Coke and let's see what happens. If we can, please. What did he do? Come on, what did he do? What are we talking about this morning? It exploded. Thank you, Chief Scientist. No, you need to stay because we're going to go again. Chief Scientist. It's still going. It's still going. I mean, this is schoolboy stuff. I know how I got this because all the lads, didn't they, they were telling us, they were all on YouTube. They wanted me to do the toothpaste thing. If we'd have done the toothpaste thing, you'd have all had toothpaste all over you, let me tell you. It exploded everywhere. If I left it to Jack and Timmy and Morgan, they were... They were, they were everywhere, but we did it. We, we were sensible. We were sensible, mate. <laughs> For once. <laughs> it's now stopped finally after probably 30, 40 seconds. Because life not covered explodes. You just write that down. Life not covered, the life without faith explodes. Yeah? Thank you. So let's now have a go. Yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. We're ready. Thank you, scientist. Thank you, Timothy. Professor, Timothy. Professor Timothy. Yeah. We're doing a good job, aren't we? Yeah. Now, this is the one that's covered. 
This is the one that's covered with cling film. This is the one that's covered in faith. I'm really hoping this does not let me down. <laughs> Still got to go in the dark grime of life. Exactly the same situation. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well done. Well done. Here's the point. Here's the point. The life covered by faith still has to go into the same context, mm, yeah. but it's controlled. Yeah, great. Have you got it? Yeah. Yeah, very good. Great. I wonder if we could now give Tim a round of applause. I wonder if we could take those things away. Some examples we use, and they're helpful. Interestingly, Jonathan Kirk heard me share this in our hub campus. They heard this first. And uh, Jonathan uh, uh, emailed me or texted me later, and he just said that illustration will live with me now for the rest of my days. That's good. That's good illustrations. All you need to remember, if you get nothing else from it, a life of faith covered in God, placed in the same situation, you have the ability to live controlled. But if you are not under the cover of God, your faith is not covered by, by, by your, your life is not covered by faith in God, you have to still go into the same context. It's more than probable you will explode. So how do we live a controlled life? That's what you now want to ask and you should be asking yourself, and we need to move at pace because I do want to get to a final thought that James carries in, in, his, in, his, uh, in his book. Some people would say, well, I'm going to get to control by trying harder, by good intentions. There's nothing wrong with trying harder and there's nothing wrong with, with having good intentions. There's nothing wrong with having a plan. But I honestly believe that in the tough spots of life, it won't see you through. It just won't see you through. You're likely to crumble. And you're likely to revert back to things that you went to before that give a little bit of comfort for a moment, don't they? So for example, somebody who, who, is, who is used to going to substances, I've heard testimonies, some of you have done those. You, you got a high on drugs, but then all that happened the, the following day when you came off the drugs, where were, where were you again? In misery. So it's just repeated again. I understand the cycles. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying there's a better way to live. And the better way to live, honestly, James talks about is faith and surrender to, to God. Faith and surrender to Jesus Christ. Let me give you, there are three challenges that you'll come across. I've spoke to Christians all over numbers of decades. And usually they immediately go to Satan. There's three things that come to our life, three challenges. Satan directly the flesh, and the world. Now, please be sure, Satan is very much at large, and he will do everything he can to bring our downfall, but I think he gets a little bit too much uh, press than he should do. Because actually, most of the time that we're under challenges and difficulties is because of the other two, flesh and the world. Flesh. Paul described it this way. The things I want to do... I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. What is that? The flesh. 
It's those things that we want to do that are fleshly. They try, it's because of sin. And of course, the instigator of sin is Satan himself. But you understand what I'm talking about, flesh. The other thing is the world. People are horrible at times. The world can be a horrible place. And they bring challenges to our lives. And then, of course, the third thing is Satan himself. I hope you've got it. So how do we overcome these three challenges when they, when they come to us? And they manifest themselves in three areas. First of all, James addresses in James 3 verse 1 to 10, the tongue. Everybody say, the tongue. If I do that, okay, do that. The tongue. The tongue. The tongue. The tongue. Let's read what it says in James 3 verse 1 to 10, shall we? It says, we get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a, ha- of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. And unfortunately, we've seen that on the continent this summer. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world and we can turn harmony into chaos. There are some people who have that gift and ability. It's all harmonious and then it becomes chaotic when they come in. Some people, he he addresses, throw mud on a reputation. They can send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. There's the instigation. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild. A wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. And with the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his his image. Let me continue, finish the, the passage. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. Here is appeal to the church. It can't go on. A spring doesn't gush Fresh water one day and blackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? He addresses the challenge of our tongues. He addresses the challenges of our mouths. And even this morning, I was reading in my devotional time. We haven't got this on the screen. It's just for those who are taking notes. Psalm 34, verse 12. Listen carefully. Whoever of you loves life. Anybody here love life? Raise your hand. And desires to see many good days. Just decide to see many good days. Okay? Uh, Then the answer is here. David says, keep your tongue from evil. And your lips... From speaking lies. Doesn't say go on a fitness regime. Doesn't say lose three stone. Doesn't say keep putting money into your ISIS. 
We said we want to love life and desire many good days. This is the practical advice he gives us from God's word. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. This tongue of ours is a challenge. I've already said to you, I think there must be something in me because I get louder and louder. My family say to me, I can go from zero to 100 in a nanosecond. And some of you can too. And my mouth has got me in all kinds of trouble. Uh, They call it foot and mouth disease. Yeah, or not engaging the brain before I open my mouth. I think it's got a little better, but it's still got a long way to go. You'll be glad I don't have an issue with expletives and obscenities. That's never been my bag. But my bag is getting angry. My bag is criticism. My bag is sarcasm. My bag can be attacked verbally. I'm just being honest. And James addresses it. He says, this tongue is an issue. Secondly, he then says, our hearts, the heart. James 4 verse 1, he says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? He's asking a question. And he answers it. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Desires that battle within. The Bible says it this way. The heart is desperately wicked. Don't you say, oh, my heart's wonderful. Let me tell you, say, yeah, the heart can deceive us all. Yeah. I, I like to describe it this way. Sometimes there can be some dark hearts that go on in our hearts. And these desires fuel our hearts. I've already said to you, the Apostle Paul said it this way. What I want to do, I don't do. You know, have you ever done it? You've set out to do something, you don't end up doing it. You determine that morning, I'm going to get up and this is how I'm going to live. But something happens. This is what he's talking about. And interesting, you've said, I'm definitely not going to go there. And what do you end up doing? Is anybody going to be honest in this room? You end up doing it. Our desires. And thirdly, what about the mind and the will? James 4, verse 2 to 3. It's all in there. It's all in the book of James. James 3, James 4. He says this. You desire, but do not have. So you kill. (laughs) You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. And you do not have because you do not ask God. This is so important for some of you here today. You've been asking God, but it's from selfish motives because he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You're really asking out of your heart, your mind, your will, selfish desires. They're driving you even into prayer. That's how deceived we can get. Sorry to be so strong on this bank holiday weekend, but I'm just trying to lay discipleship principle in all of our hearts, in my heart. Because basically what happens, our mind and will work in tandem. There's a battle for our minds. I don't know about you, but does impurity reign sometimes in your mind? If we're being honest, it can do. What about revenge? Anybody here had a revengeful thought? Somebody's done you, you're going to get them. I mean, big time. 
Anybody ever wanted to retaliate? Ooh, wow. That was straight in there, yeah? It's true. Thank you for your honesty. That's how I feel sometimes. What about sensual desires? We're not going to go there, but they're there. The mind and the will. And let me just quickly say, James addresses this in verse 4. Let's put it on there. He says, you're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get. Some of you are flirting with God. And he says, stop it. These things will get you in trouble. Your tongue, your mind, your heart, your will. They can be out of control. Now you may say, well, what do I do? Because this doesn't sound very, this is now the encouraging bit. Anybody want some encouragement? Got a better response there. So obviously now you're all discouraged. Tap the neighbor next to you because I like it and say, we're now going to get the encouraging bit. Come on. I love the rawness of this book, the Bible, because it doesn't just flower it up like a nice flowery fable. It tells us as it, as it is. There was a man who I've already mentioned by the name of David, and he shows us the antidote, because I don't know about you, when I was preparing this, I literally put my head on my desk in my hands, and I went, oh man. I felt like Isaiah, where it says, I'm a man undone with unclean lips. And then I began to read Psalm 32 because we're given the antidote. Let me just use something that's a little bit more palatable. If you're sick, the doctors on occasions will give you antibiotics that will get them out of, yeah, not always, I won't go there, Phil, but will get things out of your system. Okay, get things out of your system. This is the antidote. This is the antibiotic that will do you, God, to get you out. Because David addresses it in Psalm 32. Just go with me for a moment before I give you just a few other things. He says this, for day and night, Psalm 32, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Was it sinful, willful living? But this is what he says. A few verses later, verse four and five. Then, aren't you glad there's a then? Yeah. Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. This is the encouraging bit. Guys, if you have been living like that, no control, wayward, doing what you want, like David, acknowledge your sin. Don't cover up your iniquity. Go before God and he will forgive you and he will cleanse you. This is the antidote. So let me give you three things just really quickly that James addresses that I believe will help you not only, excuse me, just to acknowledge our sin, but then three other very practical things. Number one, first, submission to God. Submission to God. This submission means to yield. It means to let go. It means to trust. This is the place of the Holy Spirit in our lives, church. 
where we say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. I'm struggling with these desires. I'm struggling with these thoughts. I'm struggling with these feelings. I invite you, I surrender, I bow again to you. And this is what it says in James 4 verse 7. And it's important that we read the whole verse of 7. Because most of the time we just read the latter part. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've used James 4 verse 7 with people and they've said, oh, it says, I did it this week. And it says, oh, that's the verse where it says, resist the devil and he will flee. I says, it doesn't say, just say that. It starts with submitting. Some of you are trying to resist the devil and then telling him to flee. And you've not submitted yourself. Does this make sense? Resisting the devil must be accompanied by submitting to God. Can I be really bold? A disobedient or unsubmissive believer will not see victory. It's only as we submit ourselves. As we allow the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and rule and reign in my life. Every morning, come and rule and reign. If I don't say those prayers, my, my, my head will go everywhere. Rule and reign. Help me, Lord. Help me. I submit again. I bow and kneel before you. Secondly, James says, let me give you another antidote. Humble living. You've heard this before from this platform. I am going to be quite bold. And you can come and speak to me afterwards. But anything that has pride in the title cannot be right. Pride is not good. Pride is not good. Anything that is prideful is not good. And James says it this way. James 4 verse 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. But shows favor to the humble. Quickly, grace gives fruit to humility. Because he says he gives us more grace. Without more grace, we won't live humbly. Without more grace in my life, I want to kill you all. Without more grace in my life, I'll all think you're a bunch of idiots when you come and tell me your, your things. And I think, what? And I don't know how I got in that mess. I know how you got in it. But grace doesn't allow me to go there. Hello? I'm just making exaggerations to make a point. Does this make sense? You need to understand if we want to overcome those areas that James addresses, it comes through humble living. God opposes the proud, the haughty, the arrogant. Some of you say, well, I haven't got that. Let me give you some telltale signs quickly. People who don't listen. People who say, I'm right, everybody else is wrong. I'm clever, you're stupid. Ever come across people like that? If you're one of them, you need to repent from it before you leave this place. People who are disrespectful. People who live entitled. People who say, me first. People who say, and that ridiculous song, I did it my way. Sorry if it's been at your dad's funeral, mum's funeral or whatever. I quite like the song, but it's a nonsense. People who have forever shouted how good they are. 
have no sense of humility. People who are forever taking selfies of themselves. <laughs> Self-promoting, look at me. I'm really going for it now. You're going to really be sent off in a great bank holiday Monday. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. I'm not saying you can't have a nice family portrait, a, a thing. I'm not, but you know, this, you've seen them. Does my head in. Shut up. I, you know, sometimes they, and some of them are pastors. Shut up. For goodness sake, and the wives are just as bad. Shut up. I don't want to see you. Why do you keep putting yourself out there? That's where I'm at. Oh, God, I need more grace. Let more grace. Ooh, pray for me. Stretch your hands and pray for me. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to get stuck here. I don't want to. Hum- Let me give you another verse. James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. The road of humility is a lonelier road, but it leads to God. Thirdly, James addresses not just submission, not just humility. He comes with this thought of cleansing. When we come to God, he washes us clean. Mel's not here today. Lovely lady who volunteers in our community work, and she's been in the life of the church. She was interviewed recently at the Hub. And her confession was that she didn't feel, she liked the idea of forgiveness, but she was in so much shame, she didn't believe God could forgive her because of the things that she'd done. And she didn't ever felt clean until a revelation came to her that Jesus didn't just came to forgive her, he came to cleanse her. We've just launched a shower hour in Nottingham to help people who can't get showers in the city of Nottingham, street people, and we try and give them some laundered clothes. And Jonathan and Annie and the team have really led the charge. It's wonderful, isn't it, when we can do those kinds of things on a Sunday. And on Sunday, there was somebody in the shower who came in, and he's singing at the top of his voice, I wish it would be Christmas every day. And I wish it could be Christmas every day. (laughs) I'm doing that so you visually got it in your mind, okay? Don't visually imagine me in the shower. That would be a terrible thought. Cleansing. James 4, verse 8. Look at the verse. Forget the... the, the, Look at the verse. This is what James says. He's helping us to know how to do it. If you will come near to God, he will come near to you. Some of you need to know that today because you feel like... You're bereft, feel like God's cut you loose. Listen to me, he hasn't. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. He will love you to your dying breath. And he says, if you will come near to me, he will, if you will come near to God, he will come near to you. The way I like to say it, you just take one step, he'll take 999 steps. I really believe that. Because he says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. It's not literally. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's just saying, listen, as you come, I'll cleanse you. As you come, I'll wash you. As you come, I'll heal you. Are you getting this? Submission, humility, cleansing. These are the antidotes. 
These are the way that we can get this stuff, the flesh, the world, Satan off our lives. This is the way that we'll walk differently and live like strangers in this world. But there's one final thing, and I know time's now gone, but I wonder if you just give this, just give me just five minutes and I'll, I'll just read my notes because this is worthy. Thanks, Jack. This is so, so important. And I found this, and, and then I found a story, and I knew the Lord had said, I want you to share this. James in chapter 4, verses 13 to 17 are so sobering. They're so powerful. Let me read them to you. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, we'll spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I was reminded recently of an elderly gentleman who was an elder in the church that I grew up in, Mr. Butler, John Butler, and he would say, if it is the Lord's will. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. If anyone there knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. This is the point that I want to make quickly. James concludes, I'm concluding this series with this one thought. Live your life in light of eternity. You are just passing through. If God gives you 80 years, thank God. 90 years, thank God. Some don't even get to that many years. We have a short amount of time and then we pass into eternity. I was reminded of a true story. Please just bear with me. Just look at me for a minute. Her name was Lizzie Atwater. They were American missionaries, her and her husband, to China in 1898. And in 1900, there was a change in leadership in the Chinese government that made China so dangerous for missionaries. And the missionaries who were there could read the handwriting on the wall. Lizzie Atwater wrote a last letter to her family on August 3rd, 1900. I read this as she wrote it. This is going to her family. Dear ones, I long for a sight of your dear faces, but I fear we shall not meet on earth. They beheaded 33 of us last week in Taiwan. I'm preparing for the end very quietly and calmly. The Lord is wonderfully near and he will not fail me. I was being restless and excited while there seemed to be a chance of life. But God has taken away that feeling and now I just pray for grace to meet the terrible end bravely the pain will soon be over and oh the sweetness of the welcome above my little baby will go with me too I think God will give it to me in heaven and my dear mother who will be so glad to see us I cannot imagine the saviour's welcome Oh, that will compensate for all these days of suspense. 
Dear ones, live near to God and cling less closely to earth. There is no other way in which we can receive that peace from God that passes understanding. I must keep calm and still these hours. I do not regret coming to China, but I am sorry I have done so little. My married life, two precious years, has been so very full of happiness. We will die together, my dear husband and I. Twelve days later, the guards assigned to them by the magistrate murdered the seven missionaries and their children. Listen to me carefully. James said our life is a vapor. And we need to live it in light of eternity. She said one of the most profound things that I've read for many, many months. Dear ones, live near to God and cling less closely to earth. May we live this life for the glory of God.